Hi. Well, what a wonderful and challenging journey we've been on through the book of Proverbs in these last two months. And how beautiful that it comes to end in this powerful passage on wisdom in the ordinary, everyday life of a woman. As Andrew hinted at last week, a lot of us women have probably heard a message on this chapter, on this wife of noble character at a women's conference at some point or other in our lives. Unfortunately, the majority of men perhaps haven't clued into the fact that this is not just a text for women, but a text for men to learn a thing or two from as well. <laughs> if we look back to verse 1 of this chapter, it says, The sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance his mother taught him. In other words, these words are the words of a woman, which are intended to be applied firstly to and by men. I wonder whether the speakers at those women's conferences realise this. <laughs> so this is not just a passage for women. And I think it is fair not only to say a wife of noble character who can find, but to also ask the unspoken, inferring question, a man of noble character who can find. Because if you desire a partner that's this awesome, you're going to need to aspire to and work towards such awesomeness in yourself, in your own life. Remember as well, all throughout Proverbs, wisdom is personified in the feminine as a woman. Remember back in chapter 1 verse 20, it says, Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. In chapter 3, verses 13 to 18, we read, Blessed are those who find wisdom. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. And again, in chapter 4, verses 7 to 8, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honour you. So this chapter bookends this collection of wise sayings by tying back to Lady Wisdom, who we were introduced to at the start. So what I want to say from the outset is that Proverbs 31 isn't about how to be a virtuous woman or a good wife. It's not teaching a normative model of external occupation. So it's not telling you to go and select wool and flax to be able to make your own fabrics, to be able to make your own clothes. It's not normative. And Proverbs 31 isn't about intimidating women by this model of hardcore godly femininity. But actually, it's about wisdom in the ordinary, everyday life. It's raw, down-to-earth wisdom. It's what wisdom looks like on the outside when it's infused with God's personal and relational wisdom on the inside. So 
It's actually reinforcing the inner principles of wisdom and how these show on the surface of one's life. And to push this point a little further and get us thinking uh, more deeply, what if this passage gives us a picture of the principles that Jesus embodied in his everyday life with his family before he began his formal ministry? And if I may go another level deeper, since Jesus considered his disciples, his brothers and sisters, his family, perhaps we can see the outworking of this wisdom in Jesus' formal ministry as well. Maybe you can go back and reread this passage again later with that in mind. So let's quickly recap some of the key ideas, these big ideas that we've seen throughout this book of Proverbs. We've learnt that wisdom isn't simply knowledge, but is knowledge, particularly knowledge of right principles, applied rightly to life, to every area of life, to our decisions, to our words, to our behaviour, to our relationships, to our plans, to our work and to our finances. These principles can be summarised by righteousness, justice, integrity, humility, love, faithfulness, generosity and diligence, which are pretty much summarised by the fruit of the Spirit that we see in the New Testament. All of these principles and the ability to, to apply them to our lives are rooted in a relationship with the source of wisdom herself, the wise creator and sustainer of all things. Wisdom at its core comes from this fear of the Lord, from a life of worship, of loving relationship with God. Proverbs teaches us that wisdom is something that we must actively pursue at all costs lest we lose our souls. And as opposed to the life of fools, wise people find the blessing of a good life, of life which seems to flourish around them. And wise people find deep satisfaction and delight in wisdom, even in the experience of limitations and hardship. We've also seen that wisdom is both something that is obvious, which, which cries out for us to come to her and to find her, but can also seem hidden at times and beyond our ability to understand and which requires faith to lean into when we can't fully know. As I've summarised our exploration of Proverbs, what stands out to you? Hold on to that as we look at Proverbs 31 today and come back to it with God later or at another time. And so here we arrive at this incredibly competent and capable wise woman. As much as I'd love to go through this line by line and verse by verse, I'm going to draw out the key aspects of wisdom that we see from this woman's life. As I said before, this woman shows us 
what wisdom looks like on the outside when it's grounded in a wise inner life. So I'm going to borrow an analogy from Peter Scazzaro, who wrote Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and Emotionally Healthy Leader. He describes the image of skyscrapers. To be so tall and strong, they need foundation anchors called piles, which are hammered deep into the ground until they penetrate rock. It's these piles and the depths that they are driven down to that support the structure's enormous weight. He uses this analogy to highlight that a successful outer life or ministry or leadership is dependent on a deep and secure inner life. So I'm going to use this analogy to highlight aspects of wisdom that are seen in this woman's life. So what do we see on the outside? Firstly, she has a variety of healthy relationships. Mutual love relationships as with her husband and children, pastoral relationships, and leadership relationships among the community. In her relationality, she has a life force and a love force that overflows to the people around her, including her servants and those in need. She has a generosity of person which brings good to others, not harm, which we see in verse 12. And in verse 15, where she selflessly gets up while it is still night to provide food and nourishment for her household. So in her relating, she brings this life-giving, love-giving spirit through both kind actions and words of wisdom and instruction. So through both word and deed. Look at verse 20. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. And in verse 26, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. We see that she is also actively pursuing a better life and a better world. She isn't just a dreamer or someone who simply hopes for better days to come. She applies herself to the task. She applies her passions. She pursues her vision. She thinks, she considers, plans and actively works toward her vision of a better world. Look at verses 16 to 18. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. And in verse 27, it tells us, she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So outwardly, wisdom is diligent, entrepreneurial, and creatively resourceful in actively seeking its vision of something better. And note in verse 31 that it's not only her husband and her children who praise her, but her works too that will bring her praise among her community. You see, wisdom 
isn't known by its internal musings and dreams, but by application to action. Outwardly, from this woman, we see success, vitality, goodness and blessings flowing out of this woman through her relationships, through her service of her family and her community, and through her work. As it says of wisdom in chapter 3, verse 18, she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. So we just see that life just flourishes around her. So if she's so awesome on the outside, what can we glean about what's going on for her on the inside? We know, first of all, from verse 30, that she is a woman who fears the Lord. It says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. It's the inner life, the health of the soul, that needs to be our focus. Though this woman is so actively and generously giving of herself, her life is constantly oriented towards the source of life, the source of wisdom, to God. All that she's giving out of herself is sustained by this fear, by this relationship of giving and receiving the love, life and wisdom of God. It's sustained by this flow of the energy of wisdom. And in fearing God, we see too that she trusts in God. Look at verse 25, which says she can laugh at the days to come. She's not worried, anxious or afraid. But she has a trust in her God. That she doesn't fear the possibility of trouble or hardship. Yet she's not naive. She's a realist who knows that hardship is a part of life. And so she lives in such a way as to ensure her family are provided for in such times. We see that in verse 21. It says, when it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. Secondly, we can tell that her inner life is also characterised by emotional maturity. Nowhere in this passage is there a hint of any insecurity or any flaw in her emotional integrity. She seems to be one who is whole, who isn't crippled by dark secrets, by lies, manipulation or pride. She's not unnerved by others in any way. And we read in verse 25 that she is clothed with strength and dignity. I know I've talked about dignity before, but this is so crucial. She knows she is adored, secure and beautiful in the eyes of God. Her identity is found in who she is in God and in nothing else. It's this grounding of her identity that enables her dignity to thrive and to overflow. 
It's this sense of self-dignity that strengthens her emotionally to be able to give so graciously to others. And finally, I think in this passage we see that a wise inner life is also about righteousness of character or as it puts it in verse 10, a nobility of character. Now, we don't talk like this these days, do we? Has your maid or best friend called you noble lately? <laughs> Dictionary.com says that to be of noble character means to be of an exalted moral or mental character or excellence. Well, that's pretty hardcore. We're talking about perfection of character here. Perfection of your inner nature. We're talking about your moral integrity and the integrity and purity of your inner person. As we look at this woman, her inner life and her outer life, what aspect of wisdom do you feel you need to work on? Do you feel you need to develop within yourself, within your life? Just take a moment to think and reflect. Perhaps after all this, after all these proverbs, the question is still meant to stand. A person of noble character who can find. Maybe it's there to inspire us to be on the journey towards wisdom. Anyone who's wise knows that they haven't yet arrived. They know they're not perfect, not yet whole, not yet as emotionally mature as they would like to be. They know that their spirituality of loving and being loved by God can always grow and be enriched and overflow more and more. They know that their relationships could always be improved, that there's more to learn, to work on and to give to make this world a better place. At its core, this wisdom is the journey of transformation. The transformation of our inner selves that affects the transformation of our exterior lives. And maybe also this question is left hanging to cause us to seek the one who is absolutely perfect, to seek Jesus Christ, to seek the one who imputes within us by his grace his own righteousness and perfection, to cause us to realise that wisdom, at the end of the day, is our journey towards our perfection in Christ. I want to finish with this beautiful promise from the writer of the letter to the Hebrews. In Hebrews 10 verse 14, it says, For by one sacrifice he, that is Jesus, has made perfect forever those who are being made holy 
Let me read it again. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. It's both done and being done. Those of us in Christ have been made perfect and we are being made perfect. My dear friends, I want to leave you with this mystery to ponder for yourselves, to ponder with God. This mystery of the power of Christ's perfect work in you. To ponder through his perfection what he has done and what he is doing in you. Amen.